Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, this is your boy, G-Ski Rocks. And this is going out to the lovely, lovely women of the world. I know sometimes you have to make a hard decision. But I want you to think about Just 
welcome to Pro-Life Fridays Radio. Today is July 12, 2013. I am your host, Letitia Wong, and on air with me is my wonderful co-host. Me. My wonderful co-host. Me. <laughs> We're going to do this all day. Okay. Yep. <laughs> anyway. It is yours truly, the ghostess with the mostest, the hostess and the toastess. Actually, not really. It's Thomas, the visible conservative. Thank you once again for tuning in to another episode of Pro-Life Fridays here on the Visible Conservative Radio Network. And with that, let's jump right into scripture. Because Miss Letitia is going to be talking a lot today. So, Deuteronomy. Chapter 30, verse 19 says, I record this day against you that I have set before you, life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life so that you and your seed might live. Letitia, you go ahead and open us up with prayer. All right. All right, Heavenly Father, thank you for just life and breath and let all the... Um, is in me, in me. Praise the Lord, Lord. And uh, we give this time to you. We ask for your wisdom in analyzing the stories of our day, Lord, that uh, you give us the discernment and the morals and the morality to be able to uphold life, to be positive, and to communicate that ground of being that you are um, in the ethics that we see today. And I really, truly mean um, communicate that through what we see every day, Lord, and things that, that seek to to occlude the clear right and wrongs that we are supposed to be living in. Despite all the, the ways that we apply them, you know, shades of gray are just shades of smaller black and white issues, Lord. Um, and we need to make those distinctions. So today as we talk about our topics at hand um, that are sensitive to people, I pray that our audience and ourselves will be able to have great discernment and great discussion and above all, seek what you will have us to think about those things because, Lord, you are the author of all that is good and right. And I pray for this time, bless our time, and what we have coming up in the next few weeks, it's exciting. So I ask you to help us to be faithful in those things that you give us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All righty. Well, Thomas, it's been a roller coaster of a news week since we talked. Who are you telling? Uh, what? Who are you telling? I said, who are you telling about the roller coaster of the news week? Well, I'm telling, I'm telling you. I'm telling everybody. Since we were talking about what happened last week with the Texas Senate, state Senate, um, having lost the pro-life bill that was to ban abortions after 20 weeks, right. to filibuster. Right. Texas House went back to the went back and repassed the similar bill. Right. And now it goes to the Senate again, 
And Democrat Senator Wendy Davis says she will not filibuster it a second time because she knows, you know, I think the point would be lost. It's going to pass, which is a great win for Texas. Right. Uh, But, I mean, I, I think that goes to show people that Texas legislators at this point, at this time, I'm not going to say this all the time because every state has black eyes as far as their their record on pro-life legislation. Um, I think they're really showing that Texas legislators have consciences and they're willing to put those consciences on paper. They're not willing to politicize this, but they're willing to put it into practice and say they are not going to allow abortions past 20 weeks in the state of Texas. Yeah. On, Let me, so that's, that's one thing, one state. Hold on before you yeah. go on. Let, let, um, let's take that. Let's take that. Uh, let's. Stop right there and let's talk about that for a minute, and let's be brutally honest. Let's let's just mm-hmm. jump into it piece by piece. Okay. There are a lot of there's a lot of people upset that the fact that the bill does not do enough. They're making an argument that, um, well, it only bans abortions after 20 weeks. What right. about the the babies 19 weeks and before. Right. Now, I agree with that premise, but here's the problem. A lot of the very people making that argument are not actually willing to do what it would take to end abortion immediately and right at the point. See, the problem is too many people on our side want to be nice to the pro-aborts in hopes of, quote, changing their minds, but the fact of the matter is when you refer to something as truth and refer to it what it is, i.e., the abortion industry is a racist, murderous, baby-killing, blatantly lying organization, and if you and until you start painting the pe- people who support and stop supporter of abortion and start holding them accountable as to why they truly support abortions and force them to show where it helps women, bring the scientific evidence, put them on record, what it boils down to, we need to start turning up the heat if you really want to end abortion. That's how you end abortion. Sure. sure. So, oh, I totally agree. Oh, well, you, you kind of so, jumped into the controversy, um, the controversy that we've been kind of uh, bumping up against the last week or two. Uh, and I, want, I wanted to lump in Wisconsin's legislation, too, at, as a matter of fact. Um, and you kind of jumped ahead of me, but that's okay. I love you. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. Well, I mean, at, at the same time, also, we we can celebrate Wisconsin's pro-life legislative victory. Um, actually, uh, Scott Walker, who's the governor of Wisconsin, signed into 
lost a couple of, well, I think about three, several pieces of legislation that were uh, that ha- that have the effect of clamping down on the abortion industry in the state of Wisconsin. In fact, one abortion clinic, I'm not sure, I think it was Planned Parenthood, one Planned Parenthood clinic has had to close because of the new law already. They've lost the clinic wow. because of, of the, because he signed the law. And I think that one was specifically the ultrasound uh, requirements law, that a woman who is seeking an abortion must have an ultrasound taken before she can proceed to have an abortion. Now, the, why did I phrase it this way? Because we are going to have a huge discussion um, about why pro-life, some pro-life people are actually very upset about these two laws. In fact, they were upset about all the other ones, like the ones that was, were passed in North Carolina and a similar 20-week ban, and also the 12-week ban, and I think they went down, did they go down to eight? Anyway, I think the 12-week ban in North Dakota, I believe. And you would think that uh, we would be very happy I'm, not, I'm saying we in general, I don't mean me in particular, would be very happy yeah. about these laws. In fact, the legislators that sponsored these bills are happy that they passed. And people, by and large, are happy that they passed because America, on, on point, wants to see abortion less free-flowing and unregulated as it has been up to this point. Why? Because we have had too many Doug Carpins, Douglas Carpins, and Kermit Gosnells pop up in the news showing that abortion is so unregulated. It is so unmonitored at all. The laws on the books that regulate abortion clinics aren't even being followed. Right. And I think America is fed up because we have fundamentally know that an abortion clinic facility, an abortuary, as I like to call it really, has no, is run by abortionists. They are run by abortionists who have no care for the women that they are aborting from, and they have no care and respect for the children that they are aborting. Otherwise, they wouldn't be killing them. Now, we need to move America. So America has had this fundamental reaction that, oh, my gosh, killing these children this way, it's the how, not the what so far, this way is horrible and unforgivable, and we need to do something about it. On the one hand, that is correct. We should be disturbed by the how, but we should also be disturbed by the what, that we have legal abortion in this country. Right. We should be disturbed by the fact that we have legal abortion in the country. However, we haven't gotten to the point of being disturbed by that. As a pro-life person, a very ardent, no-exceptions pro-life person, we need to move our society to that point. I think it's totally possible. We have come this far. I think we can go further. We did with the American slave trade, the African slave trade, I mean, we can do it with abortion. However, right. 
you have to win the argument in the public sphere. We our our voices, our pro-life voices, have to win the argument in the public arena. Now, are we being kept from the public arena? Oh yes, yes we are. But should we let that stop us from making the argument any way, shape, form that we can to whomever will listen? No, we should not let that stop us. Now, back to whether or not this legislation is a good thing or not. My, This is my commentary on this. Yes, these are good pieces of legislation. By the way, a federal judge has now suspended part of uh, he, he's struck parts of uh, the laws that Scott Walker signed in Wisconsin. Right on cue. Are we surprised? Not at all. But I just thought I'd throw that out there just for people to um, to know that this is not this is not a said and done deal. So, <laughs> which which brings me to why I'm going to say what I'm saying. What part of the laws did he strike? Let's see here. Judge blocks a portion. It didn't say which one. It um it's it's a portion of. Wisconsin State Bill SB 206, which calls for increased health standards in abortion facilities, as well as mandatory ultrasound viewings for all women seeking abortion. So he's kind of suspended that, the ultrasound. Stop right there. Stop, stop, stop right there. Stop right there. Folks, let me me, um, explain that to you. He blocked a portion of the bill that would require Planned Parenthood abortion clinics to meet the same medical standards of a surgical center in a hospital. Yes, that's right. Now, you know what? This is what I'm going to say. And some way I hope word of word gets back to this federal judge. You, sir... You're a snivel, you're a sniveling twit. You're a liberal piece of racist trash. Now, how you like those apples? And if I saw you face to face, I would tell you that to your face, because you're nothing but a liberal ass kissing, thinking you're so better that you have to destroy the lives of somebody else. Because you don't care. Well, how would you like the fact if somebody came up and took something precious of yours? You wouldn't. So you better start looking both ways. It's not right and it's not fair. And quite frankly, I'm sick and tired of babies' lives and the lives of of minorities being played with because your elite snobbiness thinks you're better than somebody else. And with that, right. Letitia, if you ask me a question, I'm not saying anything else. I'm <laughs> well, let's just do a little bit for that, and, and we'll come back to it. But uh, the question that we were that we started out with, the reason why I brought all these pieces of legislation up, and uh, kind of tied into the judge refusing to, okay, I mean, I don't know why he has a say in this because constitutionally, this bill is is without question, outside the purview, uh, the purview of the federal government. But anyway, that's my unofficial legal opinion. Why I think restrictions on abortion 
uh, particularly these, are good for the pro-life cause and the pro-life advocacy that we have in uh, that we that we advocate for, that being redundant and all, is because this is what we can do. Need I remind people that the pro-life effort in this country is not a battle, and they are not one battle after another isolated from each other. This is a war. This is not a single battle, which means you must fight this with fight the pro-abortion status quo with the tools you have and the tools you're given. Twenty years ago, I mean, you know, the United States of America is one of the very few countries that is pro-abortion all the way to nine months of pregnancy, nine months gestation. Most of the other European countries have limits. We don't yep. legally have those limits. Until states started to enact these limits and none on age, until recently, you could go to Kansas. A woman could go, a girl could go to Kansas and get a late-term abortion up to the day before her due date. Up yep. until her due date if the baby is not born yet. In fact, she could be in labor. Having the baby, and if that baby has not yet emerged from the birth canal, it is legally, it is legal to kill that baby. Now, from that perspective, from that status quo that we have here in this country, a limit on the age where you can legally obtain an abortion is an improvement over the status quo. Now, I've read quite a few things today criticizing this idea that we that legislation like this does any good. I can see the point. Now, let me let me make make their point for them. Uh, we have several groups that are very very opposed to legislation of this nature, pro-life groups, not because they think if abortion uh, is legal, let it be legal for all nine months. Of course not. But they believe that legislation that puts a an age limit or an ultrasound limit or anything like that that starts to restrict abortion access only communicates to the public that if you stay within the the legal bounds, then abortion is okay. So abortion at 19 weeks suddenly is acceptable. We're supposed to be, so we're supposed to adopt that type of thinking knowing that this legislation exists. I don't think that 
that legislation was intended to communicate that message, and it is not going to communi- communicate that message unless you make it communicate that message, which nobody ever intended. If you go ask the sponsors of that bill, and how do we know we had Senator Bart Hester, who's a senator, I believe, does he get him from North Carolina? I think he's from North Carolina, who sponsored the bill in North Carolina banning abortion at 20 weeks. You ask him if his intention was to make abortion acceptable at 19 weeks, he will tell you absolutely not because we had him on the show to explain the nature of that legislation to us and to our audience. And if you were listening that day, you are better for it because we want to go to the sources of these types of legislations and get into the minds of those who write this, sponsor these bills and write these bills and let them speak in their own words their intentions. We're not going to put words into people's mouths. And this, by saying legislation like this, a ban on abortion greater than 20 weeks, only communicates to everybody else that abortion up to 19 weeks is morally acceptable is false. Nobody's saying that. How do we not communicate it? You don't. You just don't. The ultrasound bill, same idea, saying that if a woman has an ultrasound, then it's okay for her to have an abortion. If that's what that's the message that a lot of people are saying that legislation communicates, that as long as a woman has an ultrasound, it's okay for her to commit an abortion. Nobody's, again, nobody's saying that. I'm not saying that, and I'm sure the legislators who wrote these bills aren't trying to say that. But what do we know? Women who are given the opportunity to see a picture of their unborn baby. Right. Choose not to abort at about 80% of the time. Yep. Information equals positive results. The only way we can keep abortion at the rate that it's going is to keep women deaf, dumb, blind, and ignorant to the facts. And this legislation opens women's eyes to who is living and developing and growing inside them, their son or their daughter. Right. So, Letitia. Yes, Letitia. So, if I'm understanding this correctly, they don't. Let me see, let me put this succinctly. The abortion industry is not interested in choice. So let so let me so let me let you pro choice proponents in on a little secret. You all are pathological liars. 
It started when you brought both cases, Roe v. Wade and Doe versus Bolton, under false pretenses. Norma McCorvey never even wanted an abortion, but her two shady feminist female lawyers paid her $10,000 and they used her. Sandra Kano was tricked by her own family. Let me tell you something. Yes, I'm a lover of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian, and because of that, I respect and I love life. I love life to the point that, you know what, Planned Parenthood, my gloves have came off. And I don't care who you are, from Cecile Richards to the President of the United States, I would tell you point blank to your face, you proponents of abortion, you're nothing but racist baby killer. I don't care who you are because just like God, I'm no respecter of persons. I respect the office of the president. But I don't have to respect anyone that tried to exalt themselves above the throne of God. And personally, I don't care who I just defended. You're an Obama supporter, too bad, because quite frankly, I'm sick and tired of people worshiping him like he's God. Oh, he he doesn't want his daughters punished with a baby. How ironic! We're being we're being punished with this president as with his presence as our president. Go ahead, Leticia. Yeah, I, I mean, this this is very well tied together in the attitudes that people have. What I wanted to specifically address, and I think I have, is the idea that if you are for a piece of legislation that doesn't do away with abortion completely, then it's somehow that legislation isn't good enough. And I know these groups, we've had, we've had representatives of groups that think along these lines, and I'm, I'm not knocking them, I'm just, I'm just saying that I disagree uh, with how they arrive at their conclusions. We've had representatives of these groups on our show. But when the rubber meets the road, every single one that I've asked this question to, if you were that legislator sitting in Congress in a state state house of representatives or a state senate or you're a, you're some you're a politician that needs to make a decision you need to vote yes or you need to vote no because presence is really no right. if you need to make a decision on this on the legislation that comes before you, what are you going to do? 
And the most honest answer is the most correct answer is the one that hemmed and hawed is the correct answer. Now, we've had three people. We've had three people that I remember consciously asking this question to. Only one answered the question. The other two avoided the Actually, four. Four people I've asked this question to. Only one has managed to eke out an answer directly answering my question. What are you going to do if it's you? And the answer is, well, we have to see what the situation is. If I'm going to make that decision, I'm going to have to see. Well, exactly. There is no way to say I'm going to vote yes or I'm going to vote no. There is no way to tell. Now, it's easy for us to armchair our outrage at how a bill that still makes abortion, keeps abortion legal up to 19 weeks or 20 weeks and say it's not good enough, it's not good enough, you should have done better. It's easy for us to sit back here and say that. But when you're in that legislative body and every state is as contentious as you can be, there's no state that isn't going to, to, to wage a war over some piece of pro-life legislation, no matter how innocuous. You're going to have to make a decision, whether it's going to go forward or you're going to vote it down. Exceptions or not. If you can't accept the exceptions, you're immediately you are casting the exact same vote as liberal pro-abortion Democrats, who will always vote no on anything that compromises their money and their land, their iron grip on the abortion industry. It doesn't matter. There is no cat. There is. There is no. This is not the Supreme Court. You understand. This is a legislative right. body. All that's written next to your vote is a yes or a no. There is no explanation that follows that, because it either passes or it doesn't, based on how you vote. Right. So, the answer that we got, being that we're going to have to find out what that legis- legislation encompasses. And where it's going, what kind of what content it has, who it's going to affect, all the circumstances, that's the correct answer. You cannot simply say just because something bans abortions 20 weeks and over but leaves it legal for 19 and less is a horrible bill just because of what it is. Right. This is what I'm telling – this is what I tell the pro-life community. If you pass this bill, let's say it has exceptions – so no, of course it's not good enough. Nothing ever is good enough. You work then to remove those exceptions. That's what Senator Bart Huster has, is doing now in North Carolina. Their legislature passed the bill with exceptions. Now, he didn't put those exceptions in the Democrat who put those exceptions in. It wouldn't have passed without those exceptions. Now you work to remove those exceptions. Oh, you're going to be, you're you're an incrementalist. I I don't know why, how that became a bad word, but I don't believe in letting other people hold the microphone for me. (laughs) 
so let me say this. If you don't ta- if it takes 20 axe wings to cut down the tree of abortion. I shouldn't call it a tree. I should call it a weed. Yep. If it takes 20 axe swings, I'm going to take 20 axe swings. I'm not going to stand back and protest it growing because I can't take it down with one. Oh, you're accusing us of doing nothing. No, I'm not accusing people of doing nothing. If you are, if you are, want to, to do away with abortion immediately. Also, a term they coined, immediate, immediatism. All of us are immediatists. We would like abortion done and gone tomorrow. Today, if we can have it. Today. Right. But we live in a country where the laws are how they are and the laws and the people who run the politics in this country operate in a system that can't that that can't just you can't just walk in there and have I have my agenda and let that agenda be the supreme agenda. The reason why we have a representative democracy is because we have different voices. Why is it hard to do away with abortion altogether? Because the Democrat Party exists. That's the short answer of it. Because the Democrat Party exists. And if you can't understand that this is a war, not a battle. Don't criticize people who are trying to do what they can and say that they're saying things they're not saying, like abortion is okay for 19 weeks and younger, or abortion is okay only after a woman gets an ultrasound. When did we get to the point where informed consent was a bad thing? As long as abortion is legal and we are fighting that fight. Remember, Roe v. Wade is not going to be overturned with the court that we have. With the Supreme Court that exists today, it is not going to be overturned. They are not going to overturn themselves. Unless Somebody has a miracle conversion of ideology on the court. <laughs> I pray for such a thing, but if that such a thing doesn't happen, we can predict what their vote, if they were going to re-vote on whether or not to keep Roe v. Wade the way it is or to throw it out, they would vote to keep it where it is. That's just reality of it. Knowing this... And we have to, knowing this, we have to do other things. What is it, Thomas? You know, you talk about this being a war and not a battle. And then war, it's bloody. Unfortunately, pro-life, the pro-life movement, 
as Cain, yeah, we're doing battle amongst ourselves. That's true. Instead of with the destructionist, the baby-killing, racist murderers of planned abortionhood. We need to, and and I'm going to tell you something. I don't care what anyone says. We need to start, we need to make a blanket exception and say this. You, a supporter of abortion rights for women, you're racist. And you don't care a lot about women. The only thing you care about is making yourself fat and fat because there is never under any circumstances that an abortion has ever helped a woman. Ever. <clears throat> I don't care if she became de- desensitized to it because ultimately that guilt and that shame, it breaks through. See, I'm going to get the statistics from Dr. Priscilla Coleman, but the uh, the suicide rate for women that have had who have had abortions are off the chart. But you mm-hmm. won't hear that in an American psychological journal because you have planned racisthood. You know, perfect name and analogy considering that um, Margaret Sanger gave a speech standing on a box surrounded by a bunch of uh, left-wing clan members back in 1940, I want to say 1940, 1945, somewhere around there. I've seen the picture. So someone explained to me how someone, the founder of an organization associated with that, is supposed to be help working for the good of women. The only women. Well, the, hold on. Right. Hold on. The only women that you're working for are those who are only interested in other women. Yep, I said it. And why did I say it? Because unfortunately, the people that you have representing representing your side in Texas were flaming lesbians with spiked hair, and you know they were. They don't represent women. Sorry to disappoint you. NARAL and now National Organization of Women, you may have a lot of members, but you all, ladies, and I use the term loosely in referring to you, you are not women. You do not meet the <laughs> definition of women. The views expressed on today's pro- episode of Pro-Life Fridays are solely those of Thomas Wayne Smith and not the other members of the of our our staff here. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Now, I know you kind of mean that not in the genetic sense, but in the practical sense. Uh, yep. But, <laughs> but people have, do have to realize and what what you have let's go back to the part where we're we're really touching on on the meat of the issue which is that the women's interest leave it there i mean if we're talking about about this this greater issue about where being for women comes from and the feminist movement and all that stuff the 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 quintessential feminist of the turn of the century, the turn of the 20th century, were pro-life. They were against abortion. Elizabeth Cady Stanton was against abortion. They had said very many things about abortion, all of them critical, saying Elizabeth Cady Stanton, there's something is against the very nature of being a woman to kill your own child. It is, it is against the very tenets, the tenets of fe- feminism, to be pro-death. And I would have to agree. What, what are those that were trying to campaign for women, a greater sense of women's rights in society? They wanted to be seen not as objects. Women should not be objects. Women should not be a class of being that can be treated and mistreated and given fewer uh, rights under our laws than other groups and other classes. But this is the liberal mentality, to class people and to group people. How does the Democrat Party treat the black community? Not as a bunch of persons who happen to be black, but you are a black class of being. Yep. They have to have. They have to have. You have to have a special set of rules that apply to you, and a special set of rules that apply to people of a different color, and another set of rules that apply to another pe- different color, and another set of rules that apply. To every type of lifestyle and color and classification that the liberal mind can come up with. Right. People aren't people. People aren't people. You're part of a class. Uh, so no Ms. wonder. Leticia. No take wonder that, as- that children are treated as disposable as they are. Right. Take it another step further. The Democratic Party of today considers black people their property. That's why they blast black conservatives when you dare step out of line. There, I said it. Oh, people need to know it. People need to know it. You don't know this right now, you need to know this. (laughs) Yeah, well, and I hope people do get pissed off once they hear this show because it's the truth, and I'm not going to mince my words. I'm not interested in getting along in a community that has replaced 
supposedly replaced their savior with a man. I'll fight to save the babies and hopefully raise up a new generation if they can be taught. But if you but if you willing to throw down a relationship with God for the color of a man's skin. I mean, the Congressional Black Caucus is okay with the abortion rates in the black community. They're okay with that. That's disgusting. They won't address it. The NAACP. No, they won't address it. The National Urban League, black organization. But you know what else? You know what else that they have done? That they're silent on. They're silent on all the other things that that is happening to the black community that is killing yep. people off. Yep. The violence, yep. Yep. crime, yep, and murder. The incarceration. Yep. I mean, some of them will say something about how, hey, you know what? Maybe sixty percent incarceration rate. Most blacks get convicted of crime. Some of them may say something about that, but they're not going to say something about that and also include in the fact that 60% of blacks also are aborted. Yep. And, you know, they're people not come up with compare the, the two. Right. People come up with this 40% number. Black Black babies are being aborted at a much higher rate than 40% folks. Oh, yeah. It's it's probably closer to 50. So try putting that in your pipe and smoking it for a minute. Because, um, the you know, the sick and twisted thing about it, the community, for the most part, is pro-life, and don't even know that it's being systematically slaughtered, wiped out. You have black pastors and black churches who are also complicit because guess what? The Negro Project is still alive and well today. Most male black pastors probably don't speak about abortion because a lot of themselves have been a part of abortion themselves. And I hate to say it, that's why the black church overall remains silent until now. You know, I pray that the, more pastors do speak out. I, I well, do, because it's going to take their voices in order to bring it out into the open. Right. Right. Because and folks, you have to, you have to understand. Sorry, Leticia. Um, you have to understand one thing. For me, Leticia and Melissa, for Pro Life Fridays Radio Show, this is about life. It's about saving a people that is being exterminated, and not just by abortion, the violent death at the hands of other black youth 
right? That's why and, we and also talk about what, life. That's just, and it's also a degree of what you can see. I mean, being right. pro-life not only is we are against the murder, rape, and and, and violence out in the streets. Right. Also, the violence in the abortuaries. Right. And also, the exploitation of women that are being offered great sums of money to put their life at risk to supply a reproductive industry with the human eggs that it needs to experiment on human beings. Now, think about this, and I wasn't planning on saying this, so I'm just going to throw this out there, and we'll talk about it another day. Think about the number of poor women, poor black women, who will accept the offer of a large sum of money if they can show that they are in relatively good health to sell her eggs for maybe the altruistic helping somebody have a baby or just or just doing it for the good of science. Right. You know, somebody's going to offer her five, six, eight thousand dollars maybe. Right. You might decide that that money is so important that she's going to put her very life at risk in order to get that money. Right. And she could very well die from this procedure of egg harvesting. Now, if it's California who is trying to legalize the sale of eggs, of, of women's eggs. And my friend, Jennifer Lull, who we've had on the show before, yep, has I remember been testifying. Yes, she has been testifying before the California State Legislature against against this uh, these measures that seek to legalize this type of exploitation of women. Right. And my goodness, she's been called every name under the sun because she doesn't want to see women being harmed. I mean, good good Lord. I mean, when we stand up for people's lives, we're t- we're called you're backwards, you're against technology, you don't help want to help people have babies. No, we would love to have help people have babies. Here, why don't you offer to ab- adopt this child that another woman is thinking of ab- aborting? How about that? But somehow we can't bridge that. We can't make these bridges between people and promote life because somehow, insert insult here, that's what we are. And in the small time that we have left, I wanted to bring up, uh, I'm, I'm going to just jump into the stupidest thing ever uh, so that I, so that if we if we run over on our time, at least I've gotten this off my chest because it is it is ridiculous. Right. Earlier, I think earlier in this week, there was a couple that offered. They publicly offered anyone to to adopt their future child. They were pregnant, and they found out the child had Down syndrome. And this story just went everywhere on the internet because they met with a, I believe it was a Catholic priest. Uh, or a Catholic priest had learned of their story, 
and said, let me help this couple find adoptive parents who will take care of their child so that they won't have uh, to abort this child. They won't have an excuse. Like, we couldn't find a parents, to, parents to adopt our child, so we aborted this child. Now, I have questions. I really have questions about this couple uh, who would kind of deliver this, help deliver this public ultimatum, like if you don't adopt my child, I'm going to abort this child. But let's put that aside for a moment and just focus on what happened next, which is 900 requests, offers were made in response to this priest's plea for help saying anybody who's interested in adopting a child who potentially has Down syndrome, please send me an email, please call. We're looking for adoptive parents. People from across the world, not just the United States, from as far as England, Puerto Rico, and the Netherlands offered to adopt this child. Um, So many calls were being received, they couldn't answer them all. They really just couldn't. (laughs) So finally, you know, they, they narrowed it down. There's three couples that are kind of in serious talks about, abort, uh, about adopting this child. And what does that wonderful liberal women's pro, supposedly pro-woman blog site Jezebel say? Well, oh, Jezebel no. blogger Cassie Fiano, there is upset. She is upset. I'm sorry. No, not Cassie Fiano. Some other lady. She's the one that actually reported on this. Jezebel, blogger Katie Baker, that's who she was. Katie Baker is furious that the priest would have the nerve to give this couple an option besides abortion. And I say this, she almost went as far to say, God forbid this priest would have interfered with their potential abortion by offering them a way to adopt their baby away instead of aborting their baby away. And this is what the blogger had said. Here's a heartwarming story about a reverend, apparently she doesn't know it's a priest, who learned of a young couple planning to abort because their child, if carried to term, would have Down syndrome. Quote, but abortion is sin, the pastor said. We're paraphrasing. Let me pressure you into carrying to term by hastily crowdsourcing an adoptive family. Lo and behold, hundreds of people from all over the world volunteered. The church narrowed down the offers to three families, which the parents are reviewing with the help of an adoption agency, according to the paper. It's great that so many families were interested, but the woman in this story is still being coerced into carrying to term. So many mistreated babies and kids with Downs live terrible lives. We'll take issue with that in a minute. Instead of throwing resources at a non-viable fetus, why can't the church help children with Down syndrome that are already alive? Because anti-abortion folks care more about fetuses with fairy tale narratives than actual babies. 
Oh, my gosh. I just want to run out and grab something sharp. <laughs> because, oh. because for one, one thing, this woman, she says, this woman, the woman in this story is still being coerced into carrying to term. For one thing, the couple had said that abortion isn't, is something they were looking into. They weren't committed to to having an abortion, and they weren't committed to having an abortion if they could be convinced that if the, an adoptive family could be found, then their baby could be saved. So, first, you know, I don't see any coercion happening with this woman. I, I plus, and this is this is a huge reversal. This woman is still being coerced. Who is it that said, if you don't like abortion, don't have one? It's pro-abortion side. Right. And if, so, you know, and, and what, are, what else are they saying? Don't make, don't ban abortion, but do your best to try to convince women not to have them. Isn't that what we're doing? trying to convince potentially aborting women not to have abortion by providing them with an alternative. Right. Suddenly, that's coercion. I'm sorry, they're speaking out. Of, this woman is speaking out of both sides of her mouth. She goes on to saying, so many mistreated babies and kids with Downs live terrible lives. Right. And so many kids with Downs are right. a blessing are blessings to the families they were born in. Plus, this this blogger apparently doesn't know that 90% of children that are diagnosed with Down syndrome in the womb are aborted. Hey, Letitia, Judah called, um, Judah called okay. in, so let's bring her in. Okay. She's staying on the line. I'll be done with this in just a minute. Um so many mistreated babies and kids with Downs live terrible lives. I personally know a couple of families with Downs children. I, I don't know that they mistreat their kids. They certainly don't look mistreated, and they don't complain that their children live terrible lives. In fact, what they say is their children bring a sense of joy and peace to their lives they didn't know before they had a child with Down syndrome. And the fact that 90% of Down's children are aborted before they even take a breath on this earth shows these pro-abortion supporters that there aren't so many mistreated babies. No, they're not mistreated. They're just killed. And the ones that are allowed to live and of being blessings in the people and the families that they are born into. So, I, you know, this is coming from the leftist field. I don't want to say left field because that's, that's a slam on baseball. This is coming from the leftist field. And so she goes on to say, instead of throwing resources at a non-viable fetus, I'm sorry, if the, if the fetus is non-viable, the fetus wouldn't live. So we are talking about active abortion of a child who probably will live. (laughs) 
I don't know where she gets this, but I think she's just making it up as she goes along. Then she asks, why can't the church help children with Down syndrome that are already alive? Did she know, and I bet she doesn't, but let me ask the question for the benefit of our audience. Does she know the predominant religious persuasion of families that have Down syndrome children? They are Christians, and they are pro-life. I think we are helping children with Down syndrome, first of all, by not murdering them in the womb, and then by providing that type of value in their home and love of Christ and love of God and love of all that's good and wonderful in this world. For them to grow in, to grow in. So the accusation that the church isn't helping children with Down syndrome is blatantly false. It's the people that are in the church that are predominantly having children with Down syndrome. And then she ends up with this, this pot shot. Because anti-abortion folks care more about fetuses with fairy tale narratives than actual babies. Oh, 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 oh. What is it that they're always saying? That pro-life folks don't want to do? We want to help children that are not born, but we don't care about children after they're born. Yeah, they're, they're saying that. They're always saying that. Well, you know, so we. Let me get. I was going to say, um, you know, we we have on the line someone who actually is an individual who puts her money where her mouth is, not just out there screaming abortion is bad, but actually is in the in the. in the ground, underground, and uh, Judah, I wish you could have been here earlier and you would have heard, you know, first part of our show, but we talked about, you know, the, um, the, uh, uh, you know, just the whole friction over the support, you know, how, uh, how some pro-lifers are taking the Texas bill as not going far enough, and I know that you kind of fall in that fall in that camp as well. So I am going to have uh, Leticia is going to uh, kind of share what she shared, and then I want you to actually um, share your view. What I actually predict is going to end up happening is that you guys are going to end up agreeing on what's about to be said. But go ahead, Leticia, share a little bit for you to uh, what you said about... <laughs> hey, hey, do you uh, have money on this? <laughs> uh, no, but go ahead. All right. Well, I okay, the very last thing I was going to say about Jezebel is, is, is that the blogger complains. Uh, that volunteering to save a baby from abortion is 
the same as not taking care of babies saved from abortion. Um, you know, I really think that this contradiction needed to be brought out because they have completely lost their minds at this point on on um, the, this particular story. So that's why that is the stupidest thing ever. And uh, congratulations, Jezebel, for com- publishing a complete contradiction. All right, Judah. <laughs> Thomas. Wow. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, Thomas wanted me to recap what I had said earlier about the uh, the, the several, actually, the several pieces of pro-life legislation that have been passed both in the state of Texas and the state of Wisconsin, and we kind of reminded our, our audience about the, the previous pieces of legislation in other states like North Carolina and North Dakota that have placed actual age limits on when abortion can take place. <clears throat> so it's a ban, since in Texas in particular, it's a ban on abortion post-20 weeks. And in, in Wisconsin, it was it's an ultrasound bill that requires women to have an ultrasound t- uh, taken uh, before, if, they're, if they are considering abortion, uh, to have an ultrasound taken before they have an abortion. And so I have been reading several uh, conversations and viewpoints of some pro-life folks saying that these bills are actually not very good. And, you know, they cite the fact that they have exceptions and the fact that it is, um, it doesn't cover, it doesn't blanket ban abortion from conception to birth at all. And I would agree, no, that's not what the legislation does. And, yes, uh, it does have exceptions. But then I would say, I would add, let's work to remove those exceptions and let's pass another piece of legislation that can work to ban abortions all the way from birth to, I mean, all the way from conception to birth. Uh, that one piece of legislation doesn't cover every single thing doesn't mean that abortion in all those other cases is morally acceptable by the rest of us. And so that was my point of view, and you are free to comment on that. I am right in the middle of trying to meet policemen to rescue a girl, so um, I'm waiting right this minute. So I don't I talk for very long, but I want to say that the bill, uh, while people are saying it's going to save some, it has a clause in there that says if it causes undue burden to the woman or to groups of women then it doesn't apply to them. So at any point, they can just say, oh, I'm too stressed, I need an abortion, and it would be okay. So I have to go. I'm getting a call right now that I need, that I need to take, but God bless you guys. I tell people, just read the bill and see if it makes any sense to you. God bless you guys. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks, Judah. All right. Leticia, um, let me let me explain that point because she pointed me to the bill and I read that and that blew my mind. That is not good. That portion sure. of the bill was stuck in there by Democrats. And if you oh, look at absolutely. all the, all their other bills, they've always had that undue stress on women, so they could say. Um, like um, like when um, Phil, when Professor Klein 
was we interviewed him back in February. He was talking about how uh, he cited one example of a lady who said that um, she was a rap artist and um, the pregnancy was going to keep her from her career or something, so so it caused undue stress on her or something like that. It was a crazy example. I just listened to our that show again yesterday and, or day before, so that's how I, it's so fresh. But um, it's stuff like that, and I do understand that. What, but your point to that, which is in its very, very, um, very potent, is that that stuff, stuff like that needs to be removed from the bill. Like, the way you remove something like that, you have to, you have to restrict, you have to clearly define what is undue burden. You have, right. you can't you do. can't leave it vague like that, and I mean that that is and and so in Utah with that, it that's a loophole so big that you could drive a Mack truck through. Right, and I, so, I I would agree with that. Oh. Are we calling her back? Nope, not that I know of. <laughs> Hello. All right. <laughs> um. I would, I would, I would agree. I actually agree with. I mean, I don't have a disagreement with judo over the loophole. Yes, it is. Is because I agree that people should read the bill, and right. that it has a loophole citing something as vague as undue burden. Pretty much right. unravels the entire bill. Now, right. The, but the question still remains, you're a Republican senator from the state of Texas. Your vote counts. Are you going to vote for it or are you going to vote against it? Loophole and everything. If you vote against it, what what message does that send? Right, exactly. Right. Exactly. What message does that send? There is no – Now I'm not trying to say, oh, no, then, then absolutely the senator should vote yes. <clears throat> no, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is there is no easy answer. When you have a piece of legislation that's sitting, hopefully they've read it, hopefully they've read it, sitting on your desk waiting for your vote, you've got to decide. You've got to justify what you decide. Right. If you right. Ju- if you vote yes, you're going to have people mad at you. If you vote no, you're going to have people mad at you. You've got to get to, get to the point and justify it. What I said earlier, there is no there's no commentary column on your voting record that explains why you voted the way you did on any piece of given any given piece of legislation. I mean, this right. isn't the Supreme Court; they don't get to write dissenting views, dissenting opinions, or 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 whatever. They don't. Right. I mean, at least the Supreme Court has to explain why they arrived at the decision they did. Right. Your legislators don't have to explain anything. So I Maybe mean that just they I that it just they... begs the question that regardless of where you come down on legislation, you have to give our pro life legislators a little bit of slack. 
for having right. to make yeah. having to make a difficult decision. Yeah, and like like you say, and I always go back mm-hmm. always go back to my point. If you wanna destroy abortion, you gotta be willing to do and say what it's going to take to end it. And Right. Excuse me. Even if that means blasting I mean, you have to sometimes you have to expose the darkness to the point that the people are disgusted and embarrassed. And when and and, and eventually people will get tired of being labeled and associated with something as dastardly as abortion because like I said, um if you support abortion, you're for the destruction of minorities and babies and poor mm-hmm. people and disabled. That's what's happening. Whether you like it or not. And if and if you're not then you put your money where your mouth is and you become pro-life. And that's the gauntlet I'm throwing down. You're not going to get to skirt around the issue. And guess what, body of Christ? I'm also talking about you as well. Because the mm-hmm. evangelical church was complicit in the passing of Roe v. Wade. The only faith group when this was passed that fought it was the Catholic church in the early days. So while the Catholic Church is extremely liberal on a lot of their views, a lot of their views, they're not in when it comes to pro-life, but even then, they don't get a pass on everything either. So, you know, at the end of the day, you have to decide why you are are you going to be 100% sold out to God or are you going to go through the motion? Life is exactly. the very foundation of God himself. In Genesis it said he breathed, he formed man from the dust of the earth and he breathed life into him. We're killing the very essence of God himself when we destroy the unborn. And then we discard the mother like she's fodder. And, folks, I don't care how some of you feel, well, that woman should have been responsible. Let me tell you something. Judge not, least you be judged. You don't know the situation that she is under. There have been women who have been abused so bad to the point where their only sense of self-worth is being promiscuous. And do not tell me that a woman like that is not rescuable by by the Lord God, regardless of the number of abortions that she had, because I can take you to the example, the biggest example in the word of God of many, well, One, Rahab the harlot is in the lineage of Jesus. Then two, the woman caught in in the sin of adultery who was about to be stoned. And Jesus said, let he who has no sin cast the first stone. 
they all dropped their rocks and walked away. And he asked her the question, what were your accusers? She says, I don't know, Lord. And she then said, go. He said, go. Your sins are forgiven. So. No, he said, sin no more. <laughs> it's important to it's important to include that. Um, he, I mean, the, I mean, the lesson that just to take us off on a wild tangent here. The lesson from that is that you know Jesus did not. He did not excuse anybody's behavior. Least of all the woman's. He didn't right. say. Oh, you'll, you, I guess since there's nobody around, you didn't do anything wrong. He told her. He acknowledged that she had been caught doing something that was wrong, and he told her that she must not do it again. And and so, I mean, if we're going to parallel that to how we're supposed to treat women in this situation where they find themselves being used and abused and impregnated either willingly or unwillingly, doesn't matter, with child, we don't, that's why we here on Pro-Life Fridays Radio and our hosts, we don't condemn the women who find themselves pregnant because this is the message that they are receiving from our society since they're disposable and they feel disposable, their children are also disposable. And they have people that are willing to do the dirty work for them. They'll just go to an abortion facility. Yep. Wow. Everybody knows. Yeah, yeah. Everybody knows adultery is wrong, except those who want to make, go out of their way to try to rationalize it. Everybody knows right. it's wrong. Jesus did not need to tell her. Yeah, you did something wrong. He knew. Everybody knew. Right. He just told her to sin no more. Well, that's the message right. that we're going to tell women who are considering abortion. You don't have to go through with making this worse for yourself than it already is in your situation at any to- any point in time. You can turn this around. There is help. You don't have to listen to those voices that are going to tell you that the the way out is to kill your child and then after you're done, discard you as well. Right. I said on the show um, that that I got interviewed on Backpack Radio on why, basically the question was why pro-life. And one of the questions that the host asked me that I thought was a really important question was why is abortion not empowering to women? Or rather it was why is the pro-life view? Seems like it's it seems like it's it's at odds because pro-abortion side says, oh, we're trying to empower women by promoting women's rights and the right to abortion. And why do I contradict that? And I said, if what kind of message says that somebody must die in order for me to live my life the way I want to, especially for a woman? Uh, 
what kind of message is that? I can't imagine something more disempowering than that. Than to say somebody has to die in order for me to live my life the way I want to. Some right. that a woman has to have a certain type of surgery done on her that not only kills a human life but also scars might might scar her for life in order to move on and do something successful with herself. That such right. a success is impossible. Without right. that? Right. That is the most disempowering thing I think a woman could could ever be told in her life. Right. We're telling children in school these days, you can be anything you want to be. You can achieve anything you want to achieve. And And then we're going to go ahead and send the message by bringing somebody who is pro-choice in, to, to completely dismantle that message and say, unless you have something that is done to you or unless you can you can kill somebody in order to achieve what you want, then you are not truly going to be able to uh, be successful in life or reach those dreams. I, I don't right. I don't know how I don't know how much more contradictory a message we can send to young folks because. It it should come without strings, shouldn't it? When you say all you need is your brain and your education, and and you are the sky's limit, the limit, and then turn around right. and say, oh wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, because you're a gal. You know this. You're going to need this. You know, guys don't need the surgery, but you do. Right. Right. Oh, Letitia, 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 this show has totally rocked today. Um, so what are we going to do when we're actually on Internet TV? Oh, we're going to dress up and we're going to dance around the uh, room. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Y'all can see me in my jammies doing my show. <laughs> wow. No, no, no. I'll, you're going to force me to look presentable. I'm going to have to get dressed. You always, you always look. out of my hair. You always look presentable. <laughs> You'll be all right. There's a, there's a profile picture of mine that I like to put on Facebook sometimes. I think I might change it because I'm in that mood today. Uh, and it's the, it's, the, it's the movie picture from Kung Fu Hustle of the loudmouth woman. At least that's what she's called in Chinese, loudmouth woman. And she's got that quintessential look to her with the curlers in the hair, a cigarette stuck out of her mouth, wearing a moo-moo. Wearing and and the fuzzy slippers, and just commanding the room around her. And I love that picture. I love that iconic figure because that is what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> and you may see that right here on Pro-Life Fridays Radio. It's going to be great. Yes, it is. <laughs> With that, um, we are... Um, headed to 
an event next week in Chicago. So next week we will not have a show because. Um, yeah, we can. I'll have the show. Uh, you're going I to can, host the show. Oh, yeah, because yeah. you'll be back. You'll probably, are you going to leave Thursday or Friday morning? I will be coming back to St. Louis on Thursday. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, no, Friday. Sorry, sorry, Friday. I will try to make it back for showtime. Because next week we're going to have Anna Maria Hoffman on because she couldn't make it this week, so we had to reschedule her for next week. And she will be bringing uh, news about the project she's working on, which is a film documentary on the number of men and the testimonials of men who have also aborted children. We kind of think about abortion as being a solely a woman's issue, that women abort children. Well, you know, unless you're Jesus, it took a man to create that child. And so many men feel the exact same loss that women do after their child has, has been aborted. And right. they get they get this double whammy because society is now telling them, since they had no decision whatsoever to do with the abortion, it's really none of their business, even though they are the fathers of these children, they feel like they can't even talk about it after the fact. And how horrible is it to carry around the knowledge that your child has died and nobody wants to hear from you? Because you're a man. I think right. that's horrible. And so that's, that's kind of what she's working on. I am very excited to hear about um, the, the videos that she's been getting, the video testimonials. She's getting just testimonials from people all over the all over the country, country talking about their experience. Right. Uh, I'm really excited about that. I think you're right. It'll it will take the voices of those who have experienced abortion to end abortion in this country. Of course I am. From from all aspects. From your point of view, from the men's point of view that have children who have been aborted, from women who have had abortions, and from those of us who have survived uh, the possibility of abortion. And and not just in theory, but actually survived. That's a good point. Well, Miss Ma'am, let's get out of here because you know we have a uh, conference call at seven, right? So. All right. Um, and so, come back next week. We'll have a wonderful guest. Thank you for listening to Pro Life Fridays Radio. I'm your host, Letitia Wong, and. I'm your other host, Thomas Smith. <laughs> Have a we good night. We will see you next. We will see you next week. Yep.